1: So the way that we operate is we, we primarily are a dedicated 3PL carrier working for what we consider top 100 furniture retailers or top appliance retailers. So you, you kind of know who, who those end up being.
0: Turn my mic up. What you. Take there. yeah. Yeah, uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toe like bridges. Good friends become foes snitches. Better watch you nose in your business, all right, hustle fam, hustle fam, we are back with another amazing episode recording live from the National Home Delivery Association Conference in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm here with Mr. Rob Davis, the president and CEO of Diacon Logistics. Rob. to have you on truck and hustle sir
1: hey it's great to be with you big fan love some of your previous podcasts so it's awesome to finally get a chance to talk to you oh wow
0: man well well, thank you for that i appreciate the kind words so let's let's talk about diacon logistics you guys are
1: 3pl warehousing
0: provider kind of explain what that is because you could probably do it better than better than i can
1: yes sir i I hope so i've been doing it for a little bit so (laughs) (laughs) we've been in business for 32 years we were founded uh part of a uh, 3p organization to focus on big and bulky so it tends to be a lot of furniture a lot of appliances primarily within the final mile space so we end up doing some cross-stocking some warehousing but our bread and butter is final mile delivery and big and bulky
0: got it so let's talk before we get into that let's talk a little bit about your background how did you uh, wander into this wonderful world of logistics man
1: that's a good question. I think uh, you know, there's, there's always an interesting path that, that brings somebody into logistics, but uh, I, I ended up working in politics before I had met a girl, took me over to D.C. and uh, worked in politics for a little bit and you know, had some interesting opportunities to uh, work in finance, work in consulting. And had some you know, interesting opportunities, but wanted to, wanted to find something that I could get a little bit more involved with that, uh, that was really something that was just a, you know, a regular sustainable business, I think, that was making a big impact on, on, on regular people's lives. And so um, I had an opportunity to get involved in, uh, in, in this space about 10 years ago. And initially, I remember getting into it. I wasn't, you know, I had some trepidation initially. Wasn't sure if this is what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, it started meeting a couple interesting people, saw that there were some problems to solve. And then once you start working at it, I think you just, you, you know, you, it, it's, it's hard to, uh, to deny the opportunity to, to not recognize the opportunities. And I just loved it. You know, there's, um, there's so many good people and so much opportunity that it's a good space to work.
0: Got it, so Dicon was the first company that you, you joined in this space? Yep. yep. Okay, got it. Tell me about the company when you first joined.
1: So when we first joined, so uh, so again, we were founded 32 years ago. Um, we had done a lot of work for one, one big customer, particularly for, uh, for Sears. We were one of their bigger bigger providers back in the day. And when I joined was you know kind of a challenging time for Sears. They were going through some challenges, ultimately ended up going through bankruptcy. So I, I didn't plan on it, but I got a PhD in bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. Uh, and so I learned a lot from that. And I think that there's some things that happen in your career that you don't feel like you wanna go through them. You may not feel grateful for them, Later on, they really shape who you are. So going through that experience of having a really important client that, you know, led to a lot of years of success for our company and then seeing them go kind of through their challenges, you know, wasn't, wasn't, that wasn't any, any single individual's fault, but it made me look at a lot of things differently, much more conservative in my approach, much more practical about how our growth was going to be and really what we wanted to become, right? I think there's a lot of, a lot of companies in, in any industry, but particularly in this company in this industry that want to grow, they have a target to become you know a $100 million company, a $200 million company, and then look for some type of exit. Right. Yeah. And I think what what I appreciated about when I joined our company initially was there was this was this pretty incredible culture. Right. Our founder had established a culture where it was an opportunity to provide jobs for, for people that work there. It was a contractor first company and it was a client first company. So as long as there was a win win for the clients and everybody working involved, everybody benefited. Right mm-hmm. now, when things got a little bit tough and, you know, when, when business ha- was, you know, had to, uh, had to con- contract a little bit, or when you have accounts that aren't making money, gosh, you, you might love your people, but you can only afford to lose money for so long. So you it right. make some tough decisions. So looking at that though, really kind of changed my perspective at what I wanted to grow, what I wanted to build and make sure that it was something that was sustainable. That was a really, really just a good place to work. Right. I don't, I don't need to make a ton of money, but I want to work around people that are happy. I want to work around people that are making a difference and something that's really sustainable.
0: Got it. What was, was your role president when you first started or what were you at that point?
1: No. So I initially came on as a, as a consult. I wasn't sure if I was going to be there long-term or not. So I was doing a little bit of uh I had I'd worked on uh, on a presidential campaign and politics in the two, 2012 cycle. And after uh, we, we lost, unfortunately. So I worked for Mitt Romney's campaign. We lost the campaign. And so after that, I got into consulting. And I was consulting with a couple different companies. And um, I had known the, um, the, the, the president of Diacon asked me to come in and, and take a look at some things. And so i started doing some initial just just consulting analysis see what's going on see where their challenges were where the opportunities were and then they had a couple key people quit at that time one of the guys was a a business development guy had quit and so they really had a need to look at what they were doing there i kind of i kind of slid into that role and then um was in, in business development for a little bit and then kind of worked in a couple different departments of the, of the company helped out with operations and then, um, have been president now for what I think, uh, about four years, maybe.
0: Got it. When you joined, what were some of those challenges? I know you mentioned that there was one major customer. There was Sears, right? So I guess the company had all its eggs in one basket, so to speak. What were some of those challenges and what did you start doing to like kind of change things at, at that time? Well, Where I did think you guys start. Doing? I think
1: something here's something that's applicable in any business. So no, no matter what business you're in and, I'll, I'll you know, I'll try to give some 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 little nuggets to, to any of the listeners that it. are thinking about getting into final mile. But there's a lot of people, I think, listening to podcasts that are just in transportation and and doing anything. And here's what I'll say is not all business is good business. Okay. So I think you have to look at, you have to take on your opportunities when they come, but when you start to grow out some of these opportunities, you have to take a, take stock of, you know, what clients do I want to work with? Is this a client that I really want to have a relationship with? Do I want to build with them? Are they, are they paying me on time? Do they respect my people? Do they treat my people well? And Uh, and then, you know, people within your organization, you know, whatever those things are, if they're, if, if there's cancer in any part of your operation, you have to eliminate it, right. Or it's going to take root and there's going to be people that don't want to be a part of your organization. They don't want to be part of what you're doing. So initially I had to kind of take stock of that and look at that. We had to, we had to get rid of some, some, some tough, some tough partners. Now, some, um, that were, that had been with us for a long time. We had some, some clients that that we'd worked with for a really long period of time. And we had had some tough conversations with them and explained to them that, you know, we either, we either needed different terms or we needed to, we needed a pay raise or, um, you know, to make some changes. And so making those tough calls, I think, you know, let people know we're serious. We're serious about the business. We're serious about what, what our service offerings are and, and, you know, recognizing your value, I think looking at also, you know, Simultaneously, as I was getting involved in the operation, um, I got involved in this association. So I remember going to, um, you know, our, our first board meeting that, that they had called together as the uh, National Home Delivery Association and kind of questioning like, well, do I want to be a part of this association? What is it? Is it going to be a time suck and what's going on with the industry? And, um, you know, there's a, um, it, 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 there's a, there's a fear when you're in business that, well, if I don't, if I don't do this for a lower rate or a, you know, a different terms than what I think are ideal, somebody else is just going to take the opportunity from me, right? And if you operate out of fear, I think it's a really bad place to be. I think it makes you make poor decisions. I think you have to recognize your value and say, this is, this is what I'm gonna, this is what I'm offering. This is what I'm going to do. This is the service. And if it's not right for you, that's okay. That's fine. And same thing with you know with a job offer. I mean, you're hiring people or making any decisions. If you believe in what you're doing, you know stick to stick to what your offer is. And if it's right for the other parties, then then great, they'll jump on board. If not, then uh, you know you find a find an, an, an alternative.
0: Got it. So you said you had to actually get rid of some clients outside yeah. of pay not being on par or you know what you what you would expect what are some other things that would make a bad client or somebody that you wouldn't want to work with
1: well again i think just that there has to be in our business particularly our margins are really really tight right we have a there's it's a big purchase a big ticket item so in terms of uh revenue a lot of a lot of folks in uh, in final mile have have significant revenues but when you add up all the costs of what it takes to, to put a truck on the road and to run a business, our margins are extremely, extremely tight. So what we're looking for in our business particularly is somebody that we can partner with long-term. We we, you know, we need a partnership to last, and most of our contracts are somewhere between three and five years, but we really need that to last and, and, and renew for you know seven, eight, 10 years to be able to make it, make it sustainable. There's a lot of initial investment that it takes to, to start up a new account, to do it right, to, inf- to invest in the infrastructure and the organization. And so if we see, you know, a partner that maybe doesn't have a lot of consistency or doesn't have a lot of values and is maybe looking for, you know, a, a, uh, you know, a quick burn on, you know, providing a, a solution. It doesn't necessarily understand what, what's on the, uh, on the, uh, you know, what's going to be the impactors of that long-term it's probably not the right fit for us.
0: Yeah. What are typical know? margins? you mentioned margins being slim, just, I guess, a range.
1: Yeah. It's hard. It's hard for me to give you, you know, again, I, 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 I don't know if I can speak for the whole industry and, and say, but I would say that folks are somewhere between, uh, I don't know, one to 6% maybe. Got it. Very is on, on a, on a net net margin. Yeah. So um, everyone runs their business maybe a little bit differently, and um, you know. But uh, all things considered, after you get your your, your startup expenses and everything, it's uh, it's pretty tight. It's a volume game, Ben. Uh, yeah, it could it could be a volume game, but I guess it depends on depends on your business model and what you're going after. You know, our um, I think. I think there's always a need for, for customer service, right? So, so in our business, there's, um, you know, there's, there, it's, it's all about productivity, right? How many stops can you get on a truck? How many trucks can you get on the road? Efficiency, efficiency, you know, in your, in your, in your routing day to day, but also your, your seasonality and planning for those lulls and those big, big peaks. But the other the the component though of of that is that like at the end of the day if you don't provide exceptional experience you you are done you know yeah. you have to protect your reputation so this is not freight this is not intermodal this is not this is not a uh, you know uh, shipping something off dropping off doorstep that we're going into the customer's home you think about any industry nobody's going into the customer's homes like we are <laughs> right. we're going into their bedroom we're going into their most sacred places and setting up you know we're spending a lot of times where we're you know we're uh, us and our and our members in the association you know we're we're usually there's 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 usually two two men It can be can be females but more time more often than not we're talking about two burly strong delivery guys going into home a lot of times there's one individual there whether that's a you know a a husband you know working from home or or his wife, or you know, whatever the situation is. Usually, it's a it's a pretty sacred environment where we're going into the customer's house. So there's a lot on the line that customer experience is unlike any other. Right? When you're uh, when you're going to buy T-shirts at the mall, you know it's a it's a controlled environment. You know what to expect. There's um there's a lot of parameters that you can plan for. But going into the customer's house is a whole different scenario. So our customers are really relying on us to, 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 to nail that customer experience. If we have just one thing go wrong, right? It's a, it's a very delicate situation and it's, it's our reputation on the line. It's our retail partners reputation is on the line. And so thinking about how you're, how you're building out a business. Now, if you, if you, you know, there's ways to scale that and and really do it well. But I think to answer your question is how do you be successful, and is it a volume game, or or is it a is it a you know just more of a service level game? Ultimately, it doesn't matter how much volume you do. If you can't provide an exceptional experience and hold on to that and maintain that, you, you're you're gonna fail, mm-hmm. right? And so, in my opinion, I think looking at final mile. I think there's opportunities for some for some for some big players to do to do some really impactful things but the ability to walk into a facility and know your driver's names and know the helper's names and know their kids have a relationship with them know what they're up to that goes a long way right you know who's on your if you know who's on your dock then you know who's going into the customer's home if you know who's going to the customer's home well, you can probably trust that they're having a good experience, right. right? But when you get to doing so much volume and you and you don't know that, you don't lose sight of that. I'll never forget we had an experience. You know, where we we focus a lot on compliance. It's just it's such a critical critical component again. But you know, I'll never forget when when um, you know talking to one of our one of our managers and recruiting and you know bulking up, adding an additional capacity for seasonal volume and and a lot of our teams get eliminated just because they can't. Meet our compliance requirements, right? They can't pass the right background check, or they don't have proper insurance requirements, or their or their MVR. But I remember one person came through, and they they passed everything, right? They had a clear background check, clean MVR, driver's record, everything was clear. But our manager said, you know, I I, I don't I don't feel good about him. I'm not going to put him on. I just you know I'd rather I'd rather have short capacity or go with somebody else, an alternative option to to service this account during the seasonal peak. Then put this guy something just didn't didn't feel right and I thought, okay i mean it's strange you know but <laughs> but okay so right. even though it comes down to data and everything like you gotta you gotta trust your gut six months later there was an incident with that individual and uh you know i, I, I can't get into the details of it yeah. but he ended up uh having some significant significant issues and with um, another company with with another company and you know somewhat somewhat unrelated but another company, I think he ended up, uh, ended up serving some time in prison, unfortunately. But, um, again, it's just, you have to have the right ability to have people that know those things. So there's going to be some things that stick out on your data, on your metrics, on your compliance report, but. this is a personal, this is a, this is a people business. Yeah. You know,
0: how do you, how do you guys go about finding retailers and finding new opportunities, uh, you know, for, for your actual customers that you work with and you deliver for?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. We've, we've done a little bit of everything. So we've, we've gone through periods where we've had more outreach, more, uh, you know, a sales team going out to different, different markets and things and, and putting information out there. We've really scaled that back now. So, Our our marketing budget, if it's not zero, it's pretty close to zero. (laughs) Um, We've kind of shifted everything into what what are our delivery teams? So whatever we whatever we we pay our delivery teams, we look at it and say, okay, if we can pay them better, if we can be a, we use all contractors, right? We don't have any employees as our delivery teams, but if we, we want to be a contractor first company. So we say if we can get the best contractors and if we can provide the best service, that's our marketing team. That's our sales team. That's that that's it, right? That's our, that's our reputation. So anything that we get is we're very re- reactive in terms of, you know, what leads are coming in. We're, we're invited to all the major RFPs. So there's no shortage of, um, of, of RFPs that go out there and, and, you know we have we've been in business for a long time so people know about us the way that we look at it is when we actually participate in those rfps um we we you know we, we participate in the ones that we're interested in we don't participate in all of them we don't bid on every market but the markets that make sense for us We'll, we'll go after them, but the way that we do it is we involve all of our operators and people who are actually executing on the business to, to lead that, that initiative so that they're the same people that are actually bidding on the business, doing the analysis, and then helping to execute on it, yeah. right? And In and, and my experience, when we've gone the other way and we've had sales team do do some of these things... The sales didn't understand what the operations was going to do. And then they close the deal and then they hand it over to operations and operations says, well, you know, you, 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 you put in here 23 people. I actually need 46, you know, (laughs) so, um, there's a little bit of disconnect. So we try to keep them all real tight.
0: Got it. In the last 10 years, you said you've been in 10 years, right?
1: Uh, with the company for, uh, for about 10 years, For about 10 yep. years.
0: How has, uh, technology changed things and how has it improved efficiencies and how has it maybe, what were some of the negative effects technology has had?
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think initially when I, when I came into the business, that was a, it was a big frustration for me just to see how slowly everything moved. Right. Um, I, 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 I remember in our company, you know we we're, we're, gu- were very guilty of this. I remember introducing a new uh, we had a lot of people working remote. I introduced a new, uh, a new conference line, a new new um, mechanism to communicate. And man, that first week was br- like no one could figure out how to dial in <laughs> and they said I got the wrong number and like I was like, if I cannot introduce a new conference line, right. how am I going to get everyone to to adapt to, to these other things yeah. right? and um and so it was a slow thing it wasn't necessarily some of it was the actual technology but the other part was just the people that are using it right you can have phenomenal technology and invest millions and millions of dollars in that if your people aren't using it or if it's not friendly it doesn't matter that's right right so i kind of i kind of scaled that back a little bit and tried to look at being really strategic about what what uh you know, what things we're going to implement, how we're going to do it. And then also what our hiring practices were like, right. so what, you know, what were, what were some of the screening questions that we were going through and, and, uh, you know, what were the tech, technological capabilities of our, of our workforce? So what I'll say during that journey is it's, it's, it's come a long, long way. Um, we've, uh, you know, not only the technology offerings that are out there have come a long way. In terms of what we need for visibility, you look, you know, e- even when I, you know, joined the joined the company and got in the industry 10, 11 years ago, even at that point, it was a little bit about get something from point A to point B, right? Big and bulky. So, okay, point A, point B. And then it kind of, it's, it's evolved from that to, okay, I want to make sure that it's safe. Okay. I want to make sure that it's on time. Okay. Now I want to make sure that you know this customer can schedule that in in the day they want. Okay. Now I want them to schedule in the in the time window they want. Okay. Now I want. You know, these customers are never going into a store. They're not going to see associate that's representing our brand. So now you're the only face of the brand that's going into the store. So I need them to stay, say specific things and, and, you know, have a certain, uh, certain way about delivering or setting up this product or doing a demo. So the expectation has changed dramatically. And along with that, I think, you know, technology has, has certainly, um, the offerings have certainly come a long way in in order to make that, make that all possible and, and provide more visibility along the whole, whole process. We filled in the gaps a little bit with some of our own technology. So there, um, there, there's some good things out there, but. Uh, we're 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 super hungry for for making sure that we can provide awesome technology. One of the one of the initiatives that we've kind of gone through in, in this journey is our headquarters has been in uh, just outside Washington D.C. for for the majority of our uh, our company history. Uh, in the last last several months, we actually just launched a brand new corporate office in Austin, Texas, and the reason we targeted Austin, Texas is. To have that tech focus Mm. if you look at it you know we looked at a couple things we want to check off the box one thing is we want to be able to to be in a central location where we can access east west we can get on flights and be able to to cover the whole country another thing is we want to be in a central time zone so that if we have you know calls meetings uh you know we're doing our call center they can uh they can cover every time zone in the country we wanted to also be a really attractive place, though, that could be be some place for uh, for for young adults, people that are either not wanting to go to college and, and want to work in a good place or just fresh out of college, thinking about what career they want to be and be in. We wanted to be able to track them to a good place. But Austin is just a, such a vibrant place and yeah. it's it's for for technology and for just lifestyle. There's there's an incredible talent pool there. So we, we tapped into that and we want to move down there and, and our, you know, focus over the next little while here is going to be higher, just really, really, really good people, but people that have a focus on technology and have that so we can apply that in everything that we do.
0: Got it. Any, any negative impacts or, or resistance maybe with like tracking or something like that with, with some of the independent contractors, how does technology negatively impact the business or the conversations or the, the culture right
1: well i think i think what i would say to that is the, the expectations on them have definitely inc- increased right and so there's you know we get we get frustrated our clients get frustrated everybody gets frustrated if we say okay we don't know when you got to the stop or we don't know when it was completed yeah you may have completed it but if we don't have pictures that it was completed and we don't know when it was done then you know we we can't provide any other customers any information, right? And so I think the frustration, you know, is is there from our delivery teams, but it's real. When 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 they're if they're vocalizing something, it, you, you can't ignore that, right? right? There's there's nobody that has a harder job than the delivery teams that are carrying this merchandise going in and out of 10, 12, 15 houses every single day. So if they say, hey, this this technology is platform times out, or if they say, hey, this takes too long to import things, or they say, hey, um, you know, whatever, I can't take too many photos on my on my app and upload them in timeless manner, or I can't get into I can't get a hold of customer service, right? We have we have clients or we have had clients in the past that say you have to call into customer service and you have to get a release code. Seems like a really reasonable thing, right? You seem yeah. like, okay, yeah, if you went and delivered. $10,000 worth of merchandise, <laughs> we should be able to call in customer service and get a release code. It seems sure. really, really reasonable. But when you talk to a delivery team and they say, well, you know what? Yeah, I called in customer support. I had to wait on the phone for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes before I can get a hold of somebody. Mm. If I wait for 45, if I do a delivery and it takes me 30 minutes and I got 10 of them, but I wait 45 minutes to talk to somebody at customer support, they'll never get their job done. That's right. They'll never get their job done. So you have to really listen to what they're saying again. And this is where it goes back to, I'm saying that, that right number and that ability to have a relationship and understand like, what are your pain points? What's making this ineffective so that we can then take that and have a real conversation with our clients and say, this, this doesn't work. Right. So so if we're going to call in customer support and takes 30 minutes to get a hold of somebody customer support or heck even even five minutes five minutes is too long then we're going to change that we're not going to accept that we're going to change it we're going to make a different 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 opportunity to capture that data and information and feed it back to you you have to have it i understand but we got to capture in a different way
0: got it what's the most challenging part about your your business or your industry that you could think of what
1: keeps you up at night Um, man, you know, I, I don't, there's been different points that, 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 uh, different challenges have kept me up at night, different times, but I think right now, just making sure everybody's happy, everybody's, you know, fulfilled and they're recognized. I think people work so hard and. You know, I, I worry about those people working really hard and not knowing and, you know, not not feeling like they make a difference. You know, they, all, all sorts of things can happen. Right. Statistically, you know, we we had unfortunately we had a really, really unfortunate event uh, two days ago. We had a fatality. Oh, wow. One of our drivers um, that, um, you know, one of our independent service providers that works for us, uh, unfortunately, just on a on a um, really uh just a straight road, nothing, you would not think nothing of it. Just sunshine out, out there and, um, great weather, everything else. But what he wasn't wearing a seatbelt, barely went off the road a little bit, Overcorrected. It flung him from the vehicle. And, you know, unfortunately resulted in a fatality. So statistically those things are going to happen. And those, those are, those are pretty devastating moments, but you know, I, I don't want to sound uh, you know, unempathetic about, about those situations, but I think what, I'm, what keeps me up more at night than those situations are does every single person know the the, the work they're doing counts, that it really, really does matter, that when they're going to wake up at 4 in the morning and go and, and sacrifice and, and spend time away from their family and work really hard, and if they're going to get beat up by a client or, you know, by going into a, a customer that says, you know, you know, your delivery guys didn't smell great. Well, you know what? They were working really hard, so they, they may have been sweating. Right. So if there's some of that negative feedback that comes back, that's what kind of, kind of eats me up a little bit. And I want to make sure that they, they recognize and know their work matters and, and you know, you can't ever give up and you got to always put in hundred percent
0: that uh, actually made me think is there any type of ongoing like safety training or driver training that you guys implement with your your contractors to to you know maybe defensive driving or, or things that will help them be more safe on the road or, and is that something that's typical in the industry maybe you do it maybe other people don't
1: Yeah, I think, so we we go through that a lot on just our vetting process, particularly, and understanding, you know, you, you have to keep in mind, we're contracting with with other businesses. So they are, they are independent service providers. Uh, you know, several of our contractors might run one truck, but a lot of them are, are multi-truck guys. They run three trucks, four trucks, 10 trucks, and they're their own business, mm. right? And so we look for, you know, contractors that really take their business seriously, that know how to run it, that have proper insurance, that know what that's like to, to load truck. Now we can provide some best practices for them and help guide them into, you know, different programs and connect them with other advisors and, and, and help them understand how to be successful with their business. But there is a degree of separation. I think there is an opportunity probably there within the home delivery association that can provide some of those resources. And there's a there's a pretty cool program, actually, that we're working on. It's going to be a big initiative for 2024. So this is it's called the ICC Accelerator Program, Independent Contract Carrier Accelerator Program that the several several of our members between insurance providers, uh, technology companies, uh, onboarding companies, rental truck companies and also uh, last mile carriers have all band together and said, hey, let, let's figure out what we can do to help these guys be successful, to help them grow their business, to help them maintain what is a successful business. Without them, we're, we're, we're dead in the water. That's right. Right? So... I think, you know, what this accelerate program is going to be, we've, we've got some of the framework behind it. We've got to fill in the gaps a little bit to, to put in what the specific, as you say, either training or advising or or practices, whatever that looks like, we don't have it totally scripted out just yet, but that's going to be a big initiative next year. I think for your listeners, that'll be something really, really attractive to help them understand, you know, maybe they're. Maybe they're in the business already and they want to learn how to just be more successful, run a more profitable business a more successful business. Maybe they want to grow it out or maybe they're in something a little bit different, LTL or freight and and they're thinking about getting into final mile, but it's always scared them a little bit. This would be a perfect program for them to get a part of and and really understand what it takes to be a successful contractor.
0: Got it. Outside of that, I mean, obviously um, this could be the answer to my next question but what you just now said what would you tell somebody looking to get into this space i mean obviously join the program right but yep. what else what are some of the challenges they're going to face in terms of um, you know finding work finding opportunities what's what how would you advise them to go about it so
1: i would say look at it the same way that i did right so so 10 11 years ago i got into it i got into our company but i had some questions right a lot of things i didn't know so find a mentor find a group Find people where you can where you can trust. The association has been critical for the our success of our company because we faced a lot of challenges, right? With legal issues and insurance and and just how to run a business. Um, every business has a lot of nuances. I was really really good at finance. I was really good at managing people. I was really good at consulting. I'd never done this business before, <laughs> so I didn't I didn't I didn't know a lot about it, and I had to figure that out. Same thing, I would say, find your community, find some advisors, whatever. Somebody's done it before, right? So I think we're gonna, we're gonna try to look for, for opportunities to, to send that information out. Um, within the Home Delivery Association, we're primarily focused on 3PL providers. So that tends to be uh, a lot of companies that are maybe doing somewhere between 5 million to $500 million in revenue. Um, there's a, there's a big scale there, but anybody that's, you know, thinking about maybe being a, a contractor, you know, we, we have, we have docks across the country. We have open tours and we allow people to come in. They can go online to our website, diaconlogistics.com. They can, they can pick a dock next that that's close to them. They can just show up if they have, they have no, no qualifications where they can just show up and they can, we can put them in touch with somebody and just talk to somebody that's doing the work and say, Hey, how long have you been doing this? Do you like doing it? What'd you do before? That's a great place to start. But then, you know, listening to your podcast is probably the next <laughs> best thing they can do.
0: Right. Right. No, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I want to kind of segue into kind of more about Diacon. So you guys are, you have a warehouse, how, how, how large is the warehouse? And can you just give them a, give us an idea what that operation kind of looks like on a, on a daily basis?
1: Yeah. So we have, So the way that we operate is we, we primarily are a dedicated 3PL carrier working for what we consider top 100 furniture retailers or top appliance retailers. So you, you kind of know who, who those end up being typically, um, we do do some other, other things, but that is the bulk majority of our business. And so as we enter into a dedicated relationship with them, it's a long-term partnership really any of our services are tailored towards what they need. So whether that's a warehousing thing or that's a cross-stocking thing, we might have a client that says, Hey, I need you to set up this, this cross-stock in, in Columbus. Like, we'll okay, great. We'll set up a cross-stock for your, for your needs. Um, we do have a couple clients that sometimes say, I can't justify a full, a full cross-stock. I need something in, uh, in, in Tampa. And you know, I only need 5,000 square feet of space and you know, hundred deliveries uh, a day. Well, well, we'll group that together with something else, with another, another customer to make it economical. But um, it is a, um, you know, it's pretty pretty predicated on uh, what the customer demands are.
0: Can you expound on just what cross dock is for someone who may not understand that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking at a just a, a distribution center, it would be a stocking center where we would stock merchandise um, or a client would stock merchandise and then, you know, wait for it to be sold. In a crosstalk situation, everything that's coming into that facility has already been sold, already has to, has a customer's name attached to it. So it's just a, um, you know, getting it closer to that, that market. And it's just, it's when we're, when we're bringing it into a crosstalk, it's coming in for maybe 48 hours maximum, usually, usually shorter than that. 24 hours is coming in and it's immediately going right back out on a truck customer's not home, if it's refused or for whatever reason that doesn't that that result in a in a successful delivery, it's going back to another either distribution center or, you know, replenishment center of some sort. Got it. How many trucks are you guys sending out a day? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if we get into that on this podcast. <laughs> that might be, be top secret information. Got it.
0: Uh, got it top secret (laughs) round roundabouts hundreds thousands no no, i could
1: i could probably get it so we have uh what's today today's wednesday we have probably about 325 trucks on the road today got it got it okay so pretty large are you like one of the larger ones in the country um we are we're probably one of the largest uh privately held companies I think if you look at the, the distinction between three PL companies, there's a, there's a couple really, uh, really big publicly traded competitors of ours. And then there's, um, some other companies that have some, you know, have some strategies to take on equity or some debt and grow out the business. Um, as far as our ownership structure goes, we don't have any outside investors. We don't have any outside, uh, debt and um we're we're privately owned and operated so anybody that's in the business is taking a paycheck from the business is involved in the business so if you look at it from that perspective yeah we we, we probably are one of the largest if not the largest privately held companies
0: got it How has the global economy impacted your your business you know we, we've had a lot going on right uh Overseas with China and so forth, like just things shipments coming in, has that impacted the business at all? Have you seen like a downward trend, upward trend? Like, dude, what's what's going on in the industry?
1: Um, well, change is the new norm, right? And disruption. So, um, it's a uh, it, it there's there's always a challenge matching up the supply and the and the demand, right? You never ha- you don't have enough teams, and then all of a sudden you have too many teams, too many resources. <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't have a big enough warehouse, and then all of a sudden it's too small. Right. Um, So I I think, I I think we're, we've gone through a a period over the last several months, I think, particularly probably since, uh, since, since February, that's been really soft, um, location and client specific. That's been, uh, it's, it's, it's down definitely. I don't want to get into specific numbers, but I would say it's definitely down more on the furniture side of the business than anything else. Um, Geographically, there's also, you know, obviously some trends and when, you know, people moving and where they're moving to and where, um, you know, employment's a little bit stronger. Um, You know, I'm in, I'm in Austin, right? So Austin's been a, been a booming market. Uh, As long as somebody could find a house and got into a house, you know, it it stayed a little bit stronger there. So um, it's not down as far as some of the other places that we see. But on the uh, appliance side of business, that's a little bit. Uh, it's not as discretionary of a purchase. So they buy an appliance when they need an appliance. So you know, breaks down or uh, they're doing a remodel. You know, there's a little bit more of a. You know, uh, you're, you're not you're not putting off that that expense till later. So there's a little bit more consistency there, but it's definitely soft. Our business, uh, just speaking for Diacon, fortunately we're up, we're still seeing growth, but it's only because we've added new locations, new clients. I Mm -hmm. think, I think one thing that's happened within, um, within the, the constraints of the economy is people are looking to save money, right? Retailers are looking to save money. Their customers are looking to save money. So they, they, they inevitably uh, take a look and analyze their operations and say, how can we do it cheaper? We're, we're, we're pretty good at doing it cheaper just because we don't have that outside investor component. We don't have a lot of shareholders or Wall Street that we're trying to answer to. So from a pricing perspective, I think we do a we do a pretty competitive job and so that's resulted in some opportunities. But, you know, again, we 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 look for something that's really really long-term and um, you know, so we've probably turned down some business, maybe we um you know, we may, may take a look at here in the next year or so.
0: Got it. Is there a lot of like seasonality, seasonality, like, like based on season volume spikes and stuff like that? Yeah, certainly. What's, yep. what's the seasons that like, it's like heavy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, y- again, the last, uh, 24 months, that's, that's all thrown in into the wind a little bit. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, Typically. there, there has been a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, demand, just black Friday is a, is a, is a, is a big holiday. Depending on which retailer that, you know, there's some, a lot of them tend to do some, you know, 4th of July sales, Memorial Day sales, um, your typical holidays, but, um, you know, you think about, um, just what item it is. So furniture. A lot of people are hosting events for the holidays, for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, and so that tends to be a time that they want to make sure their house is tip top, right? And mm-hmm. they're they're getting things in order, ordering new dining room sets. So that has been a big, big, uh, big demand time. And then also just TVs end up being uh, big in the in in November, December, but then also leading into. Uh, Leading into the Super Bowl, mm, that's uh, sure. we, we got to have a good screen to yeah. watch our stuff on, right?
0: One hundred percent. What are what are some of your professional goals as as president uh, of Diacon? What what are you thinking about? What's important to you for the
1: upcoming year? Yeah, I think you know we're we've we've been really successful when we have good culture. So the number one thing on my list is to just really really harness our culture. Make sure that everybody knows they have a place, understand what it means to, to operate with integrity, to operate with, uh, you know, dedication and commitment and to be a contractor first business. So there's, you know, growth will come all that stuff. I, I don't, I don't try to get too obsessive and saying we're going to grow 20 or 30% every year. If, if that comes, that's great. That's fine. If, if, if we don't grow at all, that that's, that's fine too. But if our, culture and satisfaction of our employees and our delivery teams is not at the top then we're going to struggle to attract new business we're going to try we're going to struggle to ever turn a margin and we will we'll we'll be dead right so that's that's my goal for for not this year but forever so every decision that I make is gonna is gonna be impacted by that.
0: How do you implement culture to with, with a team that is independently owned
1: and operated? Bring them to Formula One. <laughs> All right, I, 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 you know that's not the end-all answer, but 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 seriously though, like you gotta you gotta treat them right. You know, sometimes people talk about um, you know bringing in pizza and stuff. You know. If you don't if you don't treat people well and if you don't respect them well, you can buy them buy them pizza all you want. They they you know, they're, they're not going to care about a <laughs> so box so of much pizza people, in the right? world, right? Yeah. yeah. So the the first thing is just to understand and know your people, know what makes them tick, right? I think we've we we went through, you know, we had we had a lot of this this year particularly was um, we had a lot of new locations. But it was such a fun time. We had conference calls set for 9 p.m. at night. Now, you're going you, you to hear me say that, and you're going to say, holy crap, like these guys are insane. I don't want to work <laughs> at a company that's got a conference call set. Up. Right? Those calls that we had at 9 p.m. at night were the best calls that I've ever been on. Mm. Like we got on, and people were excited. They were pumped up. They were like, all right, this is what, this is what I got done today. And like there was just a sense of, I don't have to be here, but like, I, I want to be here and we're building something special and that's cool. And when you do that, you get to kind of see what, what makes your people tick and what are they, what do they like? What do they appreciate? What do they see that, that, that they're building? And so one of the things that kind of came out of that is like, Hey, we like spending time together. We, we grind together real hard but yeah. we like spending time together and we're gonna and we're gonna we're gonna play a little bit too so one of the big things that that we did is we said hey when when we have time we're gonna recognize some of these accomplishments so we had a little we had a little deal we don't when you look at our at our at our marketing and advertising we really if you're one of our customers you're gonna get or, you're, or, or excuse me yeah if you're one of our customers you hire us to do your business you're going to get good service you, if you're you might maybe get a fruit platter at christmas probably <laughs> not maybe not maybe it's a card right. we're, we're not going to give you much right. but if you're one of our managers if you're one of our if you're one of our people that's that's moving the needle within our business we're going to treat you well we have a competition we bring down to formula 1 in austin texas we've done this uh 3 years in a row now where we we spend a lot of money on this all right tickets are not cheap <laughs> airfare's not cheap hotel's not cheap got it we have a we have a suite we bring everybody into um they're there for the whole weekend for four days and it's a time for us just to like spend time with people that are grinding all year long right and making the making the business work so um that's a that's a really fun time i think we could probably accomplish that same thing if we were just stuck in an airbnb somewhere grinding a hotel you know like but um you know, it's a, it's a special time for us to get together and recognize each other's accomplishments.
0: Yeah, I think it was, it was it's interesting that 9 p.m. at night thing. I was just thinking about that and I'm like having a conference call at 9 p.m. at night does sound like it's not something you want to do. But if you think about it, if you're like debriefing at the end of the day, as yeah. opposed to like doing it in the morning when you're about to go out into the day, you probably like have a better attitude at that time because it's kind of like, all right, we're done. Now yeah. let's talk about all the challenges and everything that happened during the day, as opposed to like, I gotta deal with all this ahead of me, right? It's kind of yeah. like, all that is behind you. So you, your mind is a little more clear. Was that the intention yeah. on that? Or was well, it just, I, did it kind of just fall it, like that? Here's,
1: yeah, no, I think so. I think here's the thing. I think a lot of it is <clears throat> is there's a, there's a huge trust component, right? So sometimes when you get into the regular routine of things, it's a, all right, uh, uh, you have to do this. And I'm gonna tell you to do it on Monday. And I'm going to follow up with on Wednesday and I want to know your progress. I want to see if you're doing it. And like, and there's this kind of like a micromanagement thing, right? But when you have the right people and you can like say, look, I don't have time to babysit you, I'm not going to hold your hand through this. This has to get done, but let's connect. And if you need more resources, if you've got a plan B that you need to need to work through, then, you know, we're solutions oriented group, right? So. It's, it's, it's our responsibility to identify problems and look for solutions and just execute. Mm. It's that simple. It's we're, we're, rocket science is not rocket science to rocket scientist. Okay. <laughs> so we're delivering goods. Right. It's not that complicated, right? It might be complicated if, if, you know, if you're brand new to it, but it's just listening to people. It's looking at it and just, and just working hard. So looking at those calls, it was just, that was a, that was a point for us to say, Hey, we've got so much going on right now. This is the team that's going to execute it, go and do, and let's regroup a little bit later and then let's, let's touch base, keep everybody on the same page, you tell me what you need, you tell me where we need to shift around resources, somebody else will volunteer, you know, do put on a hat that maybe they weren't, they didn't, they didn't want to, but. It was just, uh, you know, it's when you're in the trenches and saying, Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's execute this thing. I mean, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. I wouldn't, now I wouldn't recommend that for every, every company, every day of the year. And maybe, <laughs> it maybe isn't good. You know, it served its purpose during seasonality. Right. We don't, you know, I don't like to make a practice of, uh, you know, sending emails out in, in personal private people's private time or, uh, you Know when they're trying to take some PTO, that's that's just not sustainable. But there is a period in time where you know when the opportunity's there, you got to strike. Yeah, 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 for sure. How many
0: contractors do you guys work with typically?
1: Um, we have so again, so uh, let's say somewhere around 300 trucks on the road, that ends up being probably about 100 to 125 contractors. Wow, yeah, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot
0: okay, cool man. I, I think we um we we covered a lot of ground. Okay. Is there anything that I missed? Uh, um, that, that you would want to make sure that no, you spoke I, about? I think
1: the only thing I would just say is you know, apart from my role in DICON logistics, I'm real excited about what the association's doing, the National Home Delivery Association. Uh, I've accepted a role to be the president this upcoming year for this oh, term.
0: congratulations, and man.
1: Thank you, appreciate that. We've had incredible leadership that's founded the, the, the foundation, incredible leaders that in all roles, on, on the board, and different committees. This is a big organization, right? And it took a lot of faith for, I think, for all of our members to come in and say, hey, I'm going to add value to the organization. I'm going to share something that, you know, that I maybe might think it's a secret that I have the secret sauce in order to operate. Everyone's brought their best ideas and their best people here to really think about how to solve problems for the industry. So, uh, you know, I have a responsibility. I think to 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 contribute what I can. And so over the next year, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know put put forward my best effort to help uh, help members help help bring new members into the organization. I think there's a lot of people that, um, they're doing good things. I think there's a lot of people that don't know about us yet that should be here, For right? Sure. There's a lot of new, new companies, uh, or people that have great ideas on how to solve problems within big and bulky delivery. They need to be a part of our association. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of ways to be a part of it. You don't just have to, we're not a, we don't have these big dues or whatever. And, and I'm, I'm an unpaid Uh, member as well as all of our entire board and all of our all of our members are unpaid so I don't get a single penny from this other than the you know I think the the self-serving thing in there for me is getting to connect with other people and just learn and and uh, build relationships that that have been really valuable so what I would like to just send a message out to everybody is like if you're involved in big and bulky and and touch it in any way particularly final mile maybe some warehousing you got to be here This is, this is a, this is a place to be I'm excited about. We also have another initiative called the leadership Institute. I don't know if you got a chance to talk to anybody about that before, but that's another opportunity for people to really kind of put their career on steroids. If they're, you know, maybe in the industry or thinking about being industry, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, leadership program developed with high point university. They tailored after, uh, after some things that Harvard did. So I think they've got it really, really dialed in to um, a three-course program. We're gonna do the first part of it here in uh, in November this fall in uh, in High Point, and then two follow-up sessions in in Northern Virginia, in Tyson's Corner. So anybody that you know, I talk to a lot of different furniture retailers that that are they tend to be more generational in how they operate, and a lot of the second and third generation say, you know what I. I don't want to work for mom and dad. You know, I (laughs) I don't mind being in the business, but I don't want to work for mom and dad. I want to go do something different. But if they have an opportunity to work for somebody else, it's a little bit, a little bit different. Maybe they can bring that back to the business and be, be a good leader. Same thing might be true. Um, either working in your organization, whatever, whatever, there's, there's a lot of different motivators, but this is a fantastic opportunity for a leader to get involved, learn from high point, learn from other leaders that have been within this industry and more more so just really focused on leadership skills right how do you how do you excel yourself and prepare to learn and to be a leader you can go back to your company you can go back to whatever your role is or take another role and and those things are applicable everywhere so just really really incredible resources i think within the association and particularly that program
0: what's the best place for people to connect with you
1: um, man the best place is probably text but I don't know if I want to <laughs> give my I don't want to give my my number you want to get the uh, digits out man so uh, no connect with me I mean on LinkedIn I don't get on, on LinkedIn as much as I want to but I will if uh, if people want to reach out to me on LinkedIn Rob Davis at Diacon Logistics um, also email but uh, and, and honestly too we've got open door policy in Austin Texas if you come down to Austin my favorite things to do is show people around so come on down and uh, come visit me there. There we go. And
0: traditionally on this show, we always have to give a final thought, which is something entrepreneurial, spiritual, wherever you want to leave it, man. Just something, a word of encouragement for our fellow entrepreneurs and hustlers out there, man. What do you, what do you have to say though?
1: Oh man, I think there's there's so many different things, but the one thing that sticks out to me is what our, uh, our, our founder told me is just do the right thing, no matter how hard the right thing is to do. So, you know, so many people say do the right thing, and that's great but if you if you just continue to do that it's going to be tough there's some days that doing the right thing is not easy there's always a shortcut there's always something that maybe is a maybe maybe appears to be a quicker route do the right thing no matter how hard the right thing is to do it will pay off tenfold and it may not pay off when the timeline that you want to but i've seen that so much in our company we went through some challenges and some struggles of just running the business And I wasn't sure where to take it. And we fortunately had some, had a, had a good, uh, good, good leadership and good, good North beacon to follow. And we have reaped so many benefits from that and so many, uh, just good things have happened. So. That's that's my message I say to people.
0: I love that. If you don't respect that, your whole perspective is whack, hustle fam. You know what we do around this time? If you smell something burning, it's only a desire. This has been another amazing conversation myself, Mr. Rob Davis from Diacon, Diacon Logistics. Um yeah, we out. I think we're good. Later. If you twisted,
1: confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and Hustle. Let's go!